Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, welcome back to the Villa View. It's time for a post-match pint in association with Purity Ale. If you use the code hashtag Villa View, you'll get 10% off everything good that Purity has to offer. I'm your host, Dan Bardell, joined by Neil from the For the Love of Paul McGrath podcast. Would never, ever be late for his own podcast, but he's late for ours. But Neil, we don't care too much because finally, for the first time since we were young, young nippers, Villa have beat Manchester United. Absolute scenes at Villa Park today. Absolutely, what a good feeling! What a good, uh, what a good way, I suppose, to introduce Unai Emery into the um, back into the Premier League with Aston Villa, and uh, it's it's like everything was stacked against us. The, the the deck was stacked against us. Three days of coaching was all we had under Unai Emery, and you know, I think a lot of people were just looking to see if there was any kind of green shoots of recovery. Um, but I don't think anybody could have expected the first what was it, first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes that we put out going two nil up, and then obviously. Um, losing uh, losing uh, a goal just before half time, and then obviously uh, that that goal from from Jacob Ramsey then just after half time, and and it was an enjoyable game. Then it became it became always, I suppose, how will I put it? There was always in, in the back of your mind that United were going to do United against against Aston Villa, and we're going to come back, and that they were going to um that they, that they were going to put us to the sword. But uh, Villa looked to be comfortable for a finish. Uh, in the game and, and as I say there's there's a lot of people there that wouldn't have uh, like 27 years is a long time so there's a lot of people there who may, may have never seen Aston Villa beat Manchester United um, at home and, and like I saw I saw that lovely post you put up as well about you know a picture of yourself and your dad and you were saying that it was what you were nine last time it happened ridiculous and, uh, in that yeah. same in that same seat no you know, you know what my dad said to me at the end of the game no. it's not, a bit morbid actually he said I can die now <laughs> he was just so pleased that we'd finally beat yeah. Manchester United. I did, I did remind him that he, ha- he hasn't 
I don't think he sits in Villa win the FA Cup, so he probably wants to wait for that until he dies. But just mm. an un- unbelievable day. Like the atmosphere was top class. Villa were top class. The coaching staff and the manager were, were top class. Just the, the audio before the game, the the Tannoy was not top class. I still have my ears ringing from how loud the speakers were at Villa Park before the game started. If you were there, you will know exactly what, what I'm talking about. But just like you say about them looking well coached, and, and John Steele's in the live chat now saying you just saw a properly coached Villa team working in triangles and for the most part stuck to their task. He's absolutely right. You know, you're saying he's only been in three days, three days worth of coaching. Seen more coaching in that in like evidence evident seen more coaching evidence on that pitch than I've seen in the last twelve months from from, from any other villa manager. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was just ridiculous really how good they were. And we knew before the game that Emery he, he liked to have plans for, for different games. He'd set his teams up different formation, different personnel, different styles of pressing, different styles of tempo and whatnot, depending on the opponent. The way he set Villa up today was just like nothing I've, I've ever seen. If you were watching him on the sideline as well, he was literally coaching that entire game. He did not stop communicating with, with, with the players. And you just looked at, looked at the shape. The shape felt like it was constantly changing. There was a it was an evident formation and, and set up on the ball that then changed when they, when they were off the ball. Jacob Ramsey's position seemed to change so so, so mm. frequently from what, what it was on the ball and what it was off the ball. It was just really, really interesting. And I found myself just, I was loving the game, obviously, but I found myself engrossed in the way Villa was set up and the way they were playing. Almost when Manchester United had the ball, I found it more interesting just watching how Villa set themselves up. I, I can't even begin to explain it. You know, I'd have to watch it back again. But live at the game at Villa Park, I just found the whole thing fascinating. I don't know how it came across on on however you were watching it, Neil. But that was my main takeaway from the game. I was just fascinated by it tactically. Yeah, at halftime, I I looked up on on who scored, and I was looking at some statistics there from the game, and I was actually blown away to see. I think it was just coming up coming up to halftime. Things like then Donker had only had eleven touches of the ball, and uh, like it was forty four minutes gone or something like that. I, I can't remember how much time, but it was coming close to, to half time. And I remember being blown away by that boy, like because while yes he didn't get on the ball, he was he was a presence in the middle of midfield that was forcing Manchester United to have to go wide or it was forcing Manchester United to have to go around him. And uh, he like as I say it, it just goes to show that when you've got a team that is set up well and and, and the Docker being point in case didn't do anything like you could have been forgiven for thinking that he wasn't playing for parts of that, that, that first half only for the fact that he, he dominated a, a specific square, a patch of grass on that field and people had to go around him. And uh, it was little things like that because like how many times have we seen even over the, since we've been promoted back to the Premier League, the, like our midfield has just been so passive. The teams could go, could go through us or they could go around us. No problem whatsoever in that midfield. But I thought today that there was a small bit of a staggering of our midfield and, and it kind of slowed down that Manchester United attack a small bit more. But it wasn't that our players were giving uh, 20% or 30% more effort. It was just a kind of a, a situation whereby there, there was a feeling that they kind of, they knew what they were doing a small bit better, if that makes sense. Uh, and I thought that Dogger was a point in case with regards to that, played a full 90 minutes. And like genuinely, I can't even think of one thing he did with the ball at his feet 
but I can remember times when he stopped passing lanes and he forced people to go wide as well. So that's just that's just uh, something that I picked up. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it back tomorrow again when it's available on Villa TV. I can't wait to watch it and 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 to see uh, and and to see that um how that te- how the team did uh did stack up like that as well. Yeah, you've got those those um, websites, I don't know what, what they're called, the company's called, where you can sign up and you can watch 90 minutes of games, but from a, a higher angle. Mm. I'm, I'm going to do that for, for this game because I feel like I need to look at it because it was it was just amazing. When, when we kicked off, I was saying to my dad, oh, 4 4 2. Bailey's playing no. in front. And then one minute later, I was like, no, not 4 4 2. It was 4 2. What was it? But when we didn't have the ball, you know, I was watching Bailey and Watkins and they, they were the two that stayed forward throughout the whole mm. game. But they they spread they they spread wide when we when we didn't have the ball, and it was it made the Manchester United centre backs they they didn't know where to go, they they didn't know what to do. It made them uncomfortable, and it they always gave us an outlet outlet on the break. And then Buendia would come back and defend, but then attacking wise he seemed seemed to float around. I actually think we had a formation today in in, in some ways. It was just it was fascinating. Honestly, I don't keep saying the same word over and over again, but I just found it amazing because I've never ever. Watched Villa play like that. I've been going down for thirty years, pretty much. I've never sat there and just been and just thought everything was so tactical and that everything was so measured in, in in what they were doing. It was just so switched on, and it's just not what I've become used to. No disrespect to anyone else that's ever taken charge of Aston Villa, but I've I've never seen Villa operate in, in that manner where I've just thought this is this is incredible mm. what we're doing here. It was one of my favourite games that I've ever been to. I've been to a hell of a lot of games. At Villa Park, that that was right up there today because I've wanted us to beat Manchester United for for a long time. It was just the way we did it, though. We felt I felt like I was sat there, and I know it's only one game. I'm not trying to go over the top here, but I just felt like I was watching a a proper team. And I don't know when the last time was that I felt that way. Even when we were good under Martin O'Neill, you never sat there and thought, "Oh, tactically, we're we're brilliant here," because because we weren't really. We were just a, mm. we were a good team. We went out and enjoyed ourselves, played four four two, had a bit of pace, and and won a lot of games. This today was just, just something different. It was unbelievable now. And and that, that post that was just shared up on the screen, I think, was very much the reason why we were able to play with a fluidity in getting people into those in, into those channels, trying to get out wide. Remember when uh, when when um you guys did the, the post match show for Brentford? And it's amazing what a bit of pace and a bit of width can do. And what we were doing is we were rotating players into the, into those wide positions, specifically targeting Luke Shaw. And, and once again, I've only seen the game live uh, on TV. I'm looking forward to looking back at it and again, as, as we mentioned. And I was extremely hungover. Exactly. Um, I drank my body weight last night. So uh, it, um, but but we targeted Luke Shaw very much so in the first half. Bailey was running at him, and that Buendia was coming across, was playing, was was go, was going at him from there as well, and they were rotating Ramsey in through the center too. But and I think that that was the game plan was to really kind of pick on somebody. Luke Shaw had had uh, Manchester United's uh, actually had the most touches in the whole game at halftime at fifty one touches. Um, but he was literally had to defend and, and, and he was trying to be that outlet ball going forward for Manchester United. When they did have their purple patch, they did attack down that wing as well. But we hammered the hammer and we went down straight at Luke Shaw and we got great, great guns from it. We got great, um, um, we got great, great field position from it. And uh, it allowed us then to spread out players a bit more. And a lot of the time during the game as well, and I mentioned about the fluidity there, our, our um, gigs, Sharon, I said, uh, mentioned about the fluidity of Ramsey, Bundy, and Bailey there. And a lot of times during the game, specifically in the first half, 
when we were attacking down there, we were just playing a raking ball to to spray the 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 state the way like our point of attack all the way across to the other side as well. Like there was a couple of times where uh, Watkins would peel off and and literally we would just play a long ball across the field to, to get everybody shuffling um, across as well. So it was something different. It's something that Aston Villa hadn't done much before. Um, it was, we, we did look to, to, to switch the point of attack um, or the player, should I say, who was going to be that point of attack if it wasn't the point of attack itself. And uh, as I say, Manchester United couldn't deal with it when we were counter-attacking at pace. Now I've sat there a number of times over the years and lambasted Villa's lack of movement, just not understanding why players can't find find any space. But the way Villa moved the ball today and the, and the way the way they operate, I couldn't believe, at times I couldn't believe how much space a player would receive the ball in. It was it was I've never I've never ever seen Villa play with that that kind of movement ever. Players would that they do I don't I can't even, again I don't even know how to explain it, which isn't great for someone who's hosting a podcast. But the, <laughs> the players would 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 do they'd move the ball, be looking like they're just just keeping the ball, passing it around, moving it nicely. And then suddenly all these rotations in the movement. Luca Dean, for example, would just have acres on the left, and, yep. and a raking pass would, would find him. But this was happening. That's just one example. You know, this was happening all over the pitch. Players would would pick up the ball in, in space and be, be able to drive. And it I was just again amazed because I've always sat there and thought, well, no movement ever. No, no players move. No one ever finds any space. I don't understand it. I watch other teams all the time in the Premier League, and they players seem to be able to pick up space. It does come down again to the the well coached thing. Villa looked not not just well coached; it was unbelievably well coached. They did, and and one of the things that and I forgot to mention it a moment ago as well. One of the things that Villa did today that they haven't done in, I'd say, it could be since we were in the championship was we ran past the ball. And we were we were comfortable with doing that. So there was triangles being played in the middle of midfield. So uh, a message popped up uh, a moment ago, just mentioning that. That's something I noticed early on was we were playing triangles to try and get people get people free and move players out of out, out of position. Um, yeah. But running past like like Ramsey and Bundia are really good at running past that ball again. Our given goes uh, and and that really opens up uh, opens up the space for Aston Villa. Like Jacob Ramsey was by far and away the man of match for me today. I I didn't even seen that he got man of match when I was doing the when I was doing my my post match podcast and I was raving about him. The fact he was dropping into those little half spaces, coming deep but not not so deep that he would have been a, a, like a pivot type player or be as far back as a, as a Douglas Louise or or a Dendonker. But he was coming into that position whereby it was causing. Uh, it was it was causing kind of um, consternation between the left back and the midfielder as to who was going to going to pick him up, and that was causing confusion there. And more often than not, he was able to get that with his back to goal, play, play a little give and go, or even uh, recycle it back into the center and then run past the ball again. And it was so simple, but it's something Aston Villa haven't done, um, haven't done an awful lot. And uh, hopefully, as I say, that it's something that they can perfect and they can go on to use. We we saw. We saw the team do a small a bit of that again uh, under Stephen Gerrard when he first came into the club last season. Not like we, not like today though. No, 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 definitely not. But I'm talking about those triangles. But but we certainly couldn't perfect it within the team. But I, I have a lot more confidence that you, Una Emery will be able to perfect that within the team um, uh, going forward. And and it's exciting. And if we play some football like that, well, hell, you know, there'll be a lot of people wanting to come back. And that that season ticket list will start to grow longer and longer for uh, for for bums and seats in Villa Park. It's pretty big that list. 
already. <laughs> in fact, I think we might have been talking over each other there a little bit. I think there was an internet connection issue because I you were frozen on my screen. So there's every chance we were talking over a little bit each other a little bit in that in that last segment. So apologies for that. What I was trying to say to you, I don't know if you heard me, was that that first goal just there's movement again, and then the ball ends up coming through coming through to Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey's a good finisher. That you was know, a great finish. Something that's been perhaps overlooked. The goals he's he scored this season, he's taken them very well. And he's had off games. I'm not saying he hasn't, but I've said all along, you know, there is an absolute player there. I know there is because I've watched him play in the, in the Bundesliga many times. And I, and I know he's a frightening player on his day. Today he's touching his control the way when he's dribbling with the ball. He, he caused Manchester United all kinds of problems. And actually when he went through on goal, I never for one second thought he was going to miss. He, mm. he, he, Usually hits the target, Leon Bailey, and he found that corner expertly. It was, it was a lovely goal now. It was. The weight of that pass from Jacob Ramsey was Perfect. absolutely sensational as well. Perfect pass. It was Fabregas-type little slide it down the side of the defender uh, pass. I don't rate Lindelof. Um, look, he's 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 fine. He's a, he's a fine defender, but he was somebody that we could have targeted, and we did we did target him when we went through the centre as well. Lissandro Martinez is a pretty decent decent centre half. Probably should have gotten some sort of retribution or um, sanction, should I say, it, from the referee. Oh no, for, for Sorry, for I lost you again. You're you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Internet dropout. Carry on. Yeah. No, I was just saying that Mar- uh, Lissandro Martinez was... Uh, Played played pretty well for Manchester United today, albeit he did have a couple of dirty moments. But um, going back to Leon Bailey, Leon Bailey is a good finisher of the ball, and he showed that. Just kind of dinked it over um, De Gea's. Can't remember was his foot or was it his arm? But it was a De Gea usually goes with his feet. He was his feet. It was his feet. I've seen it back. Yeah, it was. uh, It was a perfect finish into the corner. And long may he continue to score goals because he's got all the potential in the world, Leon Bailey. And uh, you know, it's about time that uh, we're able to unlock that. Uh, from from one of our players, so well done to him. Yeah, no, I think Manchester United were a bit shell shocked by by Villa start. Mm. We we said in the in the preview that very difficult to to know how Villa are, are going to line up, and that we thought that might be something that caused Manchester United problems. In that you can't really you know they they. They were shell shot Manchester United. I, I thought. I thought they, they they struggled after that first goal went in. I thought Manchester United looked frightened, and mm. we've ended up, you know, winning winning the free kick from pressing. Jacob Ramsey took took a big touch and and won the won the free kick. I don't think has got any right to really be to be putting that in from, from that angle. Really, I will say from where I was sat in the whole end, I don't know whether this translated on TV. That wall looked about fifteen yards back. Mm. That was never, never ten yards. I said, I said straight away that that's never ten yards to my dad. I was like, it looks about 15, 20 yards more, more than more than ten. It's a lovely, lovely free kick from Luca Dead. I mean, we haven't scored mm-hmm. direct from a set piece for so long. Last time we did was well, I counted, but it doesn't count. Was Conor Harahan against against Newcastle the season we got promoted? That doesn't count because Grealish rolled the ball to him first. So he was the first player to score a free kick since. not looking good is it oh, you oh you got, you ba- got you back again there are you yeah. losing me i mean we have to do some ad mid show here are you losing me as well because you're just frozen on my screen I'm, 
Yeah, I'm losing you. So I could hear, I heard up until you you said that Jack Grealish rolled it to Conor Horan and, and then cut out after that. Yeah, so that was the last time. In my mind, that was the last time we scored a Premier League free kick, which is a long time ago. But I think factually, I believe it was it was Benteke, Benteke for, yeah. uh, against QPR under Tim Sher was the last time we scored a free kick in the in the Premier League. Oh, that's fr- frightening. But Luca Dean, he's obviously not been available for that for the last month or so. I don't think he had a great start to the season. But it was a, it was an unbelievable free kick. I don't think he's got any any right to be putting it in from there. But it was it was inch perfect. Yeah. Oh, it was beauty right in the top corner. You know that's you can't like he has another hundred goals at that. He doesn't get it into that perfect position again. So it's uh it's fair play to him. I, I equated it to to like like Beckham's free kick against Greece, except it was on the left hand side and for, it was on the right hand side of the box and from a left left footed player. You know he got it into that Porsche stamp area within the goals and. I don't know why, but you mentioned there that when the free kick has been taken, you saw the wall was uh, was far was further back than ten yards. I spotted that as well, and for some strange reason, before he even took the free kick, I was like, "I think he's going to score this." I, well, I had a strange feeling as well. I had that strange yeah. feeling. It was uh, thank God it was because like I actually thought it initially went wide until watching it on TV, and then uh, all of a sudden it panned over to Luca Dean, and he was celebrating. I was like, "Oh, brilliant! He's after scoring a goal." You know, from those angles. It, Sometimes it hits the side netting and it looks like it's gone into the back of the net. And I was convinced that that's what happened there. But uh, no, it was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, you know, where has that been? Where has Luca Dean's free kick taking ability been? You know, if Coutinho was on the field, I guarantee you he has a goal or he's the man who's tasked with taking that that free kick there. And We haven't attacked enough to get free kicks in dangerous positions. I think that's part of the problem, isn't yeah. it? You know, we weren't picking up free kicks in dangerous areas because we weren't attacking well. You know, you mm-hmm. attack well, you you win free kicks, and you good players can perhaps step up and score, and that's what's what's happened today. I mean, Villa were that first twenty five minutes were, were, were brilliant. I think we did tire a little bit. There was a phase where I think I think we got tired, and Manchester United came in the game, and Emi Martinez made a couple couple of sides. Now, can you stop? Yes. Don't sit there like that now when we've okay, had freezing so issues. I keep you've moving. Keep moving. <laughs> you got to keep moving like Villa were today, because otherwise it makes me think <laughs> we think that we've we've we're frozen. <laughs> We tired. We sat. We sat in perhaps a little bit. Emmy Martinez had to make a couple of saves. The one from Ronaldo's mm. header I thought was particularly Brilliant. Yeah. A, an excellent save. And they get their customary lucky goal on half time, and you think, oh god, this is this is typical. I can think of three games off the top of my head where Villa have been two 0 up against Manchester United and not won the game. I was thinking, here, mm. here we go again, and we've been absolutely brilliant. But then they rest, fifteen minutes rest at half time. And to be fair to the players, you know. You should say they should they shouldn't be tired, but that they were operating at high high intensity for that mm. first twenty five minutes, half an hour. That's that's not easy to maintain. There's always going to be a little bit of a drop off. Manchester United got a, a fluky goal. It's going nowhere near the goal. Luke Shaw shot. I believe it's gone down as a, a, a Jacob Ramsey own goal actually. But then after half time, Jacob Ramsey scores a goal very similar to the goal he scored against Leeds at Villa Park last season. But yes, that's not an easy finish. He's got a lot of bodies to get through there. I, that is a crazy good finish from Jack, from mm. Jacob Ramsey into into the top corner. De Gea, I don't want to use the term shell shot again. De Gea reaction to it was again he, he looked absolutely shell shot. Couldn't believe what, what he'd seen. Yeah, uh, what a finish! Absolutely brilliant. Like credit goes to go to Ali Watkins for his work down that left hand side. I thought as Watkins well. was. I mean, they were all good today, but I thought Watkins yeah. was good today. Yeah, his hold up play was better. It still needs a bit of work, but I, I certainly thought it was better. I liked how they they isolated him on. Um, 
on Martinez and Lissandro Martinez a, a bit. Uh, specifically, I suppose just from, it was it was a better matchup height for height wise. But um, he was able to spin off the defender. I can't remember who it was. It might be Martinez. Uh, spin off, and then he was uh, able to take it down the left wing. But his cutback was just beautiful. He could have cut it back to Buendia. Could have cut it back to 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 Bailey. But he cut it back to uh, to Ramsey, and Ramsey just arrows it into the top corner. I mean, like they're the ones that, you know, they're the ones that we see in the social media posts from Aston Villa at training, and we never see in games until today. So I was absolutely delighted to see that one hit the back of the net. And uh, as I say, I thought Jacob Ramsey was really running the show, and he went on then to have an even more solid performance. And I thought he was very, um, very worthy recipient of the man the match award. And then really, you know, you think Manchester United might come back into it at some stage. And again, they, they huffed and puffed a little bit, Manchester United, without really creating anything too clear-cut. Villa, Villa defended very, very well. I thought Mings was an absolute titan the, the entire yeah. game. The way, the way in the first half, in particular, deals with the aerial stuff. He's just, he's just a sight to behold at times. out, It's an absolute disgrace the way he was treated in August by someone who had absolutely no credit in the in the bank at Aston Villa Football Club. Felt like he was trying to force out someone who's been a massive part of what, what's been good about Aston Villa in the last three, four years, especially since since we got promoted. Someone who's been a big part of Aston Villa. Someone who a lot of the fans genuinely adore and, and I'm one of them. You watch him today and you think he's absolutely brilliant because he was. He was absolutely phenomenal, Tyro Mings at the back. And I look back to August now when there was all that hurrah around him and I just think how unnecessary was that and what right did Steven Gerrard have to, to, to do not so much the change in the captaincy I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about that because you know a manager should be able to change his captain if he believes that's the best thing for the team mm. but it felt personal there was some some veil, thinly veiled attacks on him the language used against Mings wasn't brilliant and then, and then there was a bit of a backtrack as well because we didn't obviously start the season great but I look I watched Toro Mings today and I just think what, what an impressive guy. And I look, but I feel, think back to August and I just think, oh, that was just an absolute disgrace. Yeah. And, and like, just getting on to the point there that you mentioned, mentioned that manager can change the captain if he likes. He dropped the club captain today. You know, John McGinn didn't start today and Martinez took the armband. So, like, there's ways and means of doing all this. And, like, as you said, it's it, 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 it didn't set off the season on a good, on a good trajectory when... It was so public and and um, yeah, as you said, veiled like it was uh, when when Stephen Gerrard took the captaincy off him. But absolute hands down to him, he's been probably our most consistent performer this season outside of Ashley Young. And I think that if you were to ask for player of the season so far, he probably is up there in the top three. Whether you know whether people think he's done enough to be our player of the season so far, um, he's definitely been consistent enough. Yeah, he's had his odd mistake here and there. Would you show me somebody on this team that hasn't? So fair play to Tyrone Mings. A great performance today. And uh, yeah, long may continue going forward because he's um, he's a good guy. And uh, yeah, and I think he's very confidence-driven and confidence-led player. So hopefully you and I am regrets that confidence back in him again. Uh, and I want to see him playing for Aston Villa. Don't think he's going to get on the plane to Doha or, or to Qatar. So um, yeah, I want to see him get his confidence back playing Claret and Blue and drive on after the World Cup with Aston Villa and try and propel us up the league. So fair play to you, Tyrone Mings, and well done. Yeah, i got to give Conser his due as well. I was quite critical yeah. of Conser at the start of the season. I thought he looked a shadow of, of his former self, and I, I genuinely at one point, and I said this thought he needed taken out the team for his own good. He's, I think he's been better in the last 
month to six weeks anyway. But today again, he was back to the concert that I, I just remember from the lot from the lockdown season. He was coming away. He was coming out with the ball, passing the ball, running with the ball. Even yes, uh, at times he looks like he's got his confidence back, which is what's one thing I, th- I think he was lacking. I felt like when we were conceding goals, concert was kind of always on the scene of where I felt mm. the problem was for, for, for the goal, but he, he's eradicated that and I give him his due. He's, he's, he's come back in, in the last six weeks. And again today, I thought, I thought he was excellent. My personal man of the match was, was Douglas Louise. I just think he's turning into such a good footballer. I, I, season we got season we got promoted. He, he first came in and he was playing as a lone defensive midfielder. Yeah. I thought he created problems for Villa. You could see he was a good footballer, but I think he was a bit he's a bit rash. His decision making wasn't brilliant, and playing as a lone number six, I think he causes problems initially. That first season, that was when I I became very critical of him. I think he's had ups and downs since then. Obviously, he was great post lockdown when it went when, when he came in. He, he'd really grown, and then I find it felt like he lost his way a little bit. Played games as a number eight last season. I thought he was absolutely brilliant, but then mm. never felt like he was particularly first choice under Gerard. 100% absolutely should have started this season in Villa's mid- midfield in, as, a, as a number eight, in, in my opinion, Douglas Luiz. Gerard didn't really seem to fancy him, picked, picked others over him. Douglas Luiz has been brilliant this season. I feel like he I feel like he shoulders a lot of responsibility in that mid- midfield now, but I feel like he yeah. can. And I just thought the way he... He's at the heart of everything good that Villa do. And someone I, tweeted me, Early uh, saying technically he's Villa's most gifted footballer, and I, th- I think I would agree with that. Just the way he gets the ball down, operates in tight spaces, the, w- the way he passes, the weight of the pass every time is perfect. He's he's learned not to come charging out when he when, mm. when he's defending. There was a couple of moments where I thought he was going to go in blood and thunder for a tackle, but he didn't. He just stuck his foot out calmly and came out with the ball. Douglas Louise is really turning into a, an excellent midfield player, in my opinion. Now, would, would you go along with that? I would do. I absolutely would. And and I think we're, we're getting into the territory where our midfield obviously uh, has been a weakness over the of last course. 12 months, I think. We've got Bubakar Camaro who comes on for the last 20 minutes. He, of this is, game a well. he, he really, is a class act. He really is. And, and as I say, you've got the likes of Dendonker who just sucks up space and but doesn't get in the ball and literally he's not going like nobody's going to sit here and go oh my god Leander Dundonker was you know he just he just shone out there today but he's one of these players that you can tell to do a job he goes and he does it and he, I'd say he's a manager's dream from a lot from a lot of points of view so what I'm getting at here is that you've got a Douglas Louise who signed a new long-term contract and uh, committed himself to the club I'd say he must be smiling from ear to ear now that Unai Emery is in there a new fresh start he's got the security of this of this long-term contract and he's actually been started in his first game for Unai Emery. So well done to Douglas Louise. You know, he um he he would have had every right to kind of uh, bury his uh, his his chin into his chest and and not want to look up and take on the mantle, as you say, of somebody who, who wants to take on on that role within midfield, specifically after all the bids that came in for him on, on deadline day. But he seems like he's got his head in his shoulders. He understands about the team ethos within this game. He's got a new manager now and and fair play to him, as I say, onwards and upwards for Douglas Louise. But that midfield could very easily and I and I don't think we're finished there. I think we might might see an see an addition in midfield. And I think we might see an addition into the in, in into the strike force over the January window. Um nice. but it's coming it's coming. It's coming nicely, and we're getting all our players back fit, and we're now seeing um, we're we're now seeing a, a change in tactic. Uh, so I think that midfield could go from being an area of, you know, concern to 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 a solid area pretty quickly w- with the way that Emery can set them up. 
I mean, when McGinn came on as well, he was, he was almost operating as a... People talked about that Emery would kind of set with a 4-4-2, but you'd look at it and people would be in funny positions. It's almost like McGinn was playing up front. Yeah. When he first came up, the, the, yeah. the way that Villa had, were playing their formation at that point of the game, and I stress that the way they played the formation changed so many times through, through, through the course of the game. So when McGinn first came on, it was almost like he was playing a, a long, alongside Watkins as a, as a as a striker when he came on. I think I think Ramsey's days of playing as a central midfield player are perhaps over for now. I think he's going to be operating as an, as an attacking player. You could see today with Luiz and Dendonka, they were predominantly there to... Not, not bomb forward at all. They were there as de- defensive players. Then Donker in particular, I found it fascinating how much he'd be covering off wide, even yeah. though they were, we were playing with two central midfielders. When we were defending, the central midfielders, especially Den Donker, they wouldn't be afraid to, to, to go wide and then someone else would come and sit into their space. It was just so fluid and, and, and so much rotation. It was, again, I keep saying it, it was, it was really interesting to watch. But you've suddenly got... Kamara, Louise, then Donker, McGinn potentially. You know, especially Sanson even came on and got and got a couple of minutes at, at the end of the game. I, I don't think Ramsey's in the conversation for those because I think the players I've just mentioned are. And the Campbell wasn't even on the bench today. I don't, I don't think. No, I think you know Ramsey's going to operate as an, as an attacking player, now, which I think is the right move because his best game prior to today was Man City when he was when he was yeah. in the front three. Yeah. But suddenly that there is a little bit of competition in that central midfield area, and it. We felt it needed a refresh, and with Kamara and Dendonka in there, we, we weren't sure. Dendonka didn't really look like Gerard knew what to do with him. Didn't yeah. feel like he was there, but Gerard wasn't sure. We didn't feel like it was a Gerard influence signing at all, or anyone that Gerard really wanted, and he and he barely played. There's a there's a good player there. He, he was part of a Wolf side that finished seventh in the Premier League twice in a row. He plays for Belgium. If I was a Wolves fan, I'd be pretty disappointed that, that he's gone now because he's a he's a useful player. But as I was saying, there's suddenly been a little bit of a refresh in those central areas, and Villa look all the better for it. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's almost like as if um, over time we will see players settle into those positions, as you mentioned, but still have the fluidity to move around because Una Emery will will chop and change tactics. He will bring players on at halftime. He will change tactics at halftime and so on. So being having that fluidity. And I think Jacob Ramsey is is one of those players that you can you know he's he he can wear different hats in that midfield. He can do different different uh, bits and pieces. But you know, we, we haven't even mentioned it. Coutinho wasn't on the bench today. He had a strained quad. Um mm. Uh, they don't know how long struggle he's for the World Cup. I think he would have been struggling to make their squad anyway, by the sound yeah. of it. But yeah, he's not going to play again pre World Cup from what Unai Emre said after after, yeah. after the game. Be interesting to see where where he fits. I think he will play games, and that's the thing. I think that's just important. You know, Thursday you may see something completely different from Unai Emre because mm-hmm. that's what that's what he does. And Sunday against Brentford, they'll get Brentford. Sunday against Brighton, they'll probably be a completely different game plan. Mm-hmm. The game plan, the way Villa played, was for today. That is what yeah. Unai Emre does. He changes on a game-to-game basis. He has a, a set plan. He makes players sit and watch hours of footage. You know, this, this this is what he does. The plan that Villa have executed today was specific to this Manchester United team that they were playing at Villa Park. The next two games could see something com- completely different from him, especially against against Brighton. It could be something completely different because they obviously play in a different way. To Manchester United and Unai Emery will have Villa set up in a way that he sees fit. They might press in a, in a different style. They might not play with as much tempo against Brighton as they did today against Manchester United. He's just he's going to be if, if nothing else now, Neil. It's going to be interesting. And I think you know when we do our pre-game shows, we find it very difficult to, to second guess what Emery does. And that's the beauty of it. You know, we're we're going to have to figure out what he does or what he's going to do. And 
sometimes you can come along and you can say, oh, well, if, if a team plays to a certain structure, a certain style, and it's, and, and you do it well, no matter how well people know how they're going to play, um, you still can't counteract that. But there will, like, there's going to be a lot of experimentation between now and the World Cup. And why wouldn't there be? Because he's going to try things to see if they work. Um, and like you said there, I think I think Thursday is going to be something completely different as well. Um, like even pulling Morgan Sanson out of his out of cold storage uh, today, you know, little things like that. There will be a couple of more spots, and it won't be as perfect as today every day. It certainly won't. It uh, won't course, be even be now in the World Cup. We could go out and get battered in Thursday night in the League Cup, but. I suppose the biggest thing is to sit back and take it for what it is at the moment that we've gotten our, we've gotten a win here in his first game. Things are looking good. There's going to be ups, there's going to be downs between now, but it's all about getting to that World Cup break, reset, recalibrating, going off to Dubai, doing all the hard work with the team to get with, with all those players together or whoever aren't, aren't going to be going to the World Cup. And then it's really after the World Cup where we'll strike, where Unai Emery will feel confident to strike with this team. And uh, yeah, as I say, it has to be exciting for everybody that's out there. Yeah, brilliant. Well, thanks for coming on and, and talking to me. Now, it's even so if hard, I was late. Uh, even though you were late, you were asleep, if we were all perfectly honest, that was why you were late, because you, you fell asleep. Thankfully, you did you did make it within the, the 20 minute threshold that, that we'd set, we'd set you now. Otherwise John, who was producing tonight was going to, was going to have to come on. He'd watch the game thankfully today, but yeah, a, br- a brilliant day, you know, yeah. I've wanted us to beat Manchester United for, for so, so long. I've sat there many a time at Villa Park in complete bewilderment and, and disbelief at the fact that Villa have chucked away two goal leads or been absolutely pulverised by, by Manchester United over the years. So to finally beat them for the first time since 1995 Villa Park. Is something that I genuinely didn't think. It was getting to the point where I was thinking, this is just never going to happen. Mm. We're just never going to be able to do it. So for us to do it, and to do it in an IMRA's first game, and to, to do it in the, the manner that we did it as well, and the, the way we played, there was nothing lucky about today. Villa were the be- best side on the pitch, but by a country mile, Villa, Villa deserved that win. I think even the most ardent Manchester United fan would come away from that game and have been impressed with what they saw from Villa today and hold their hands up and just say, fine. You know, yeah. Villa, Villa deserved to beat us today. It, it really was excellent. So, yeah, I hope everyone that was at Villa Park had as good a time as I did. And hopefully you've managed to garner some enjoyment from this show as well. Thanks to Neil. Thanks to John for stepping in and producing this evening. We'll be back with a preview for the Manchester United Cup game at some point midweek. So watch out for that. I mean, I'm not going on Thursday. I'm going to Brighton. On, on Sunday, but not going on Thursday. But I wish I was because tell you what, it's going to be some away end. I think there's seven thousand Villa fans mm. going to Manchester United. That's that, that's going to be absolutely incredible. So yeah, all the best to everyone that's going to that. Enjoy the rest of your evening. I hope your Mondays aren't too bad. And as always, up the Villa. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply